to live prayer i am bill keller good to be with you on this tuesday evening of thanksgiving week i pray you had a good day today it's good to be back together once again if you're new to the program you're watching live prayer we come to you live in living color every monday through friday 11 to midnight eastern standard time wherever you're watching me tonight throughout this great land of ours from sea to shining sea and from border to border thank you for tuning in Friends and other far-off great lands, welcome to you as well. Once again, I'm Bill Keller, founder of LivePrayer.com, world's largest interactive Christian website. Reach a little over 2.5 million folks each and every day via the internet. Please check us out online. Web address coming up on your screen right now, LivePrayer.com, LivePrayer.com. Check it out. 24-plus years of great ministry content all produced here at Live Prayer. Literally thousands upon thousands of hours of content in a very easy-to-navigate site. The one thing you won't find, though, is anything to buy. There's no advertising to bother you. I don't sell books, tapes, or trinkets. There's no cruises, trips, conferences. Just great ministry content as we minister to the people around the world each and every day here at LivePrayer.com. Check us out online. So I pray you had a good Tuesday as this Thanksgiving week is getting underway. Uh, for those of you who are in the process of traveling to a destination, I'm praying that your trip goes smooth, hopefully mostly on time with minimal problems. You don't get in the middle of any fights at the airport or on the airplanes. <laughs> I've never, like I said, I was uh, I was on a plane six, seven days a week, two, three times a day in some cases, back from, oh, roughly 79, 79 to uh, 89, about 10 years. Never saw this stuff. Never saw this stuff. Thousands of flights, never saw this stuff. But So I pray that you have a very safe and uh, worry-free trip to wherever you're going. And of course, safe return back home. Four things I ask you to do for me each night on this program. First, pray for me in the program. Your prayers mean more than you'll ever know, and I appreciate it. Second of all is the daily devotionals. You're with people that you may not be with Throughout the rest of the year, encourage them to check out the Live Prayer Daily Devotional. It's free, like everything on Live Prayer. It comes in the email every single morning like a clock. I've written it every morning for over 24 years now. It's about a three to five minute read. And it's a great way to stay plugged into the Lord. All they have to do is go to my homepage, liveprayer.com, upper right-hand corner. Click on the sign-up link. A couple pieces of basic information, and they'll be all set. And like I said, it'll be in their email each morning. Third, of course, is this TV program. Once again, thank you for telling people about the program. And as you're with family and friends this week that maybe you don't see throughout the year, tell them about the program. Tell them to give it two nights, okay? Because it can be a little harsh, as you know. It can be a little rough on the ears of people that are used to having their ears tickled, right? And uh, But uh, it's information, information. 
is uh, one of the greatest uh, assets that we can possess in this lifetime. So tell them about the TV program. Last of all, if this ministry has been a program to you as we're winding down the last weeks of 2023, if this ministry has been a blessing to you throughout the year, please pray about helping me with a gift. Again, we don't sell things. I'm not a tour guide or a travel agent. Uh, just We just plug away 24-7 here online as we have faithfully for over 24 years. Online TV program will be 21 years old this coming March. And all that's been made possible because of the love, prayers, and sacrifices of friends like you. Um, I Day one when I started the ministry 30 years ago, I uh, made a commitment to God that we were going to do this by faith. And we have honored that commitment. You know, though I got to tell you, some months it gets a little rough. Some months the faith wavers a little bit. But God always comes through. His timing's perfect. And the fact is, we wouldn't be here online over 24 years. We wouldn't have been on TV nearly 21 years if God wasn't using this ministry to touch people's lives and impact people's lives. So uh, if uh, God has blessed you through this work here, again, our homepage, upper right-hand corner is a donation link. Click on it. gives you our address in St. Petersburg, Florida where you can drop a check, also a link to our credit card portal if that's more convenient. And I thank you for your love, prayers, and support. All right, let's have a word of prayer. We will get started. Father, thank you for this night. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together once again in your name with the promise from your word that you are in our midst. Thank you for my dear friends who joined me tonight in this holiday week. I lift them up. I pray for them and their families, not just for traveling mercies, but God, the other needs that they have in their family might be met for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for this day we've enjoyed, the blessings that we've known throughout. And now we commit this hour to you. Use it for your glory. Open our hearts and minds to hear from you, receive from you. And we thank you for all of this. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. A uh, quick programming note. Uh, even though it's Thanksgiving on Thursday, we will be here at our regularly scheduled time, Thursday night, 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, actually, this is kind of a special Thursday night, Thanksgiving night program because it was five years ago this Thursday, this Thanksgiving, that we made the bold move to leave Legacy TV and go strictly streaming. Legacy TV is just your, your standard TV stations. For the first 16 years of this program, we were on regular TV stations and networks all over the country. And uh, we made the decision back in, I guess, late summer of 2018 that the future of TV, future video was all going to be streaming platforms. So we made that commitment and moved the program. We didn't renew our regular TV contracts and we went strictly streaming. And uh, it's been a real blessing. And uh, that first program was five years ago last Thanksgiving. So we will be here. So if you uh, are still awake and uh, you're footballed out and you've had enough food for the night, 11 o'clock Eastern, flip on, the, flip on your computer, your tablet, phone, however you watch this program, Roku, however you do it, and uh, join us for our Thanksgiving uh, special this Thursday night. So uh, 
Let's get into uh, what I need to share with you tonight. Let me start with Ukraine. That's a good place to start. Obviously, Zelensky is very frustrated because, number one, another war has become more prominent than his war. Eyeballs are pretty much fastened to Israel right now and not Ukraine. Uh, He's getting very desperate in his pleas for money. And uh, he's even throwing in some uh, commentary about how Putin has tried to have him assassinated many times, more times than he can remember. So he's trying to, you know, appeal to people's, you know, feelings, right? But here's the bottom line. I told you earlier, uh, last week, I mean, CIA Director Burns made a very visible trip to Ukraine last week. Normally, the CIA director, he he doesn't broadcast where he's going. Uh, He just kind of swoops into wherever he goes and swoops out. He made a very, he made a point to let people know he was in Kiev last week. And the bottom line is, this war is pretty much over. Um, I think the people in Washington are starting to understand that with $34 trillion of debt, there's enough people in the House and Republicans, by the way, in the House and Senate that are done, you know, shoving billions of dollars into that black hole called Ukraine. Okay. Um, They're done. And I think the administration is aware of that. And I believe that they have been not so subtly telling Mr. Zelensky, uh, it's time to wrap it up. We're going to have to get some kind of a deal done and this needs to be over. Having said that, this is going to be very interesting because Russia is controlling those Russian-speaking eastern provinces that we know as the Donbass region. They're not giving that up. They certainly aren't giving up Crimea. So in essence, when they end this, it's going to end right where it started. Just like I told you before Russia even officially started this war back in February 22. It's going to end right where it started. In the process, it's going to take some time to ferret the numbers. I've got some fairly good sources in that part of the world. Those The estimates are maybe 100,000 Russians have been killed during this time. Uh, somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, Ukrainians. So in, in, in essence, the U.S., And here's the bottom line. The U.S. ran an operation using their puppet Zelensky. This was totally fueled by our CIA and our State Department, Victoria Nuland. Okay? And the end result is nothing's going to be changed as far as 
what Russia controls in Ukraine. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 200,000 people are dead. And we've shoved about $120 billion into a black hole. All for one real purpose. To try to, dis- to get Putin out of power. And we failed. Our failures cost our country, which we don't have, $120 billion. It's cost 200,000 people their lives. That's, that's our, folks, that's our history around the world. This is why, and you, whatever you think about Trump, this is why, from a practical standpoint, he said, this is stupid. This is dumb. We don't need to be in these wars. Because at the end of the day, what happened? We were in Afghanistan 20 years. Iraq about eight or nine. Thousands of dead American heroes. Tens of thousands of maimed for life heroes. Seven trillion dollars down the toilet. And what did it accomplish? Heck, I I told you, worst, after everything we did in Afghanistan, all the military equipment we left, $90 billion of military equipment, we're still sending the Taliban, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars every month. Here's going to be the interesting thing to be watching for out of Ukraine, okay? The war is over. The war was over before it started. Ukraine was never going to win this war. No matter what we did, it, it was over. I'm thanking God every day that it looks like we're going to get out of this thing without getting engaged in a nuclear war with Russia because we were on the precipice. Still hard to be honest with you. Still are. But the interesting thing to watch is going to be when our government finally says the quiet part out loud. Okay, let's just, you know, it's now officially getting, we're going to wrap this up, put a deal together, this is over. Okay? That's step one. Step two is going to be very interesting. And that's going to be what happens to Zelensky. Because he's really got two choices, obviously. He can stay or he can go. Now, if he stays, he's going to be staying for one reason. Don't forget what I told you. When this thing was finally over, it was going to be, you're going to see one of the great worldwide grifts of all time. The rebuilding of Ukraine. And there will be trillions of dollars shoveled into that corrupt country. Now, only God knows how much of that $120 billion Zelensky's, you know, sliced off for himself and stashed away. I have no doubt it's a very significant amount of money. A billion at a minimum. 
So now he's got to make a calculation. Does he stay to oversee the rebuilding of Ukraine and be in a position to suck up more money for himself? Or does he cut his losses and takes his family and goes to some country that will let him live there in peace? Because here's the problem. If he stays, I could see him being taken out by his own people. I could see a coup overthrowing the Zelensky government and putting Zelensky on trial. Don't forget, the country's been, you know, blown to pieces here and there. Uh, nothing's changed. Over 100,000 people have been killed. And for what? For nothing. Zelensky right now is having major problems with the head of his military. Don't forget, in these dictator countries, in these strongmen countries, whoever controls the military runs the country. Because Zelensky was getting all this money from all over the world, you know, probably a couple hundred billion at the end of the day, I assure you he was taking care of the top military people because he needed to keep them loyal. Well, once the war's over, he doesn't have the ability to, you know, buy their loyalty. And it's a very real possibility when the war's over, if he tries to hang on to power, that he gets taken out, either assassinated or tossed into jail. So, the U.S. officially saying it's over, whatever deal that they're going to put together, they put together. And then what does Zelensky do? That, 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 there you go. That, that, that's, the, that's how Ukraine is going to end up. And again, by the grace of Almighty God, it looks like we've dodged a nuclear bullet because there were some very tense moments when it was looking very much like a, uh, a nuclear war was going to break out. Uh, our military. You know, Barack Obama, on purpose, decimated our military. He didn't upgrade the military during his eight years. You know, he let it rot. It was, it was like a house that you... You know, never, never fix up. When things go wrong, you just, you don't repair things. You got a roof leak, you don't repair it. Needs a coat of paint, you don't paint it. You know, he just let the military just lapse into, uh, just into a horrible state. Down to the point, for the record, that they didn't even hardly have any bullets when Obama left office. That's the disrepair our military was in. Trump, to his credit, came in in four years, built it back up, had a lot of enthusiasm again in the military. Recruiting numbers were up. But a byproduct of that stolen election 2020 was, again, not just letting the military be decimated, 
turn into a global joke. I'm talking about the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Where, by the way, no, still nobody has paid a price for that debacle. You know, people can disagree how honorable this act is. But in Japan, Korea too, I mean, they have a tradition that when you are the head of a company, you're the head of a, of a military unit, and there's a failure, it's your failure. You take responsibility. You know, Japan, it's called Harry Carey, where they literally impale themselves on a sword. Again, I'm not advocating, you know, that as a way of being honorable, but I'm just telling you, there are cultures, especially in the Orient, where that's what honorable men do. Not one person has been held accountable for those 13 dead heroes at that Abbey Gate when they were getting out of Afghanistan. Not to mention the 35 or 40 uh, heroes that have had their lives altered forever, arms and legs and eyes blown off. In addition to that, it's not, it's bad enough that this is how the military and, and, and the military. I'm telling you, what we've talked about recruiting is way down, morale is at all time lows. Because not only are they letting the military just deteriorate, they're infusing it with all this woke garbage, this DEI nonsense, you know, the diversity, equity, inclusion nonsense. Critical race theory. This is what they're pushing not only on the active duty members, but in the academies. And just for the record, if you are a Christian, and, and, and this isn't like a rumor or an unfounded accusation. This is from military personnel in all the ranks that have left. They got out. And they have been very consistent. If you're a Christian, especially if you're a white male Christian, God help you if you actually support President Trump. They don't want you. And they're going to push you out. And they're, they are literally calling the ranks of our military of anybody that's a Christian and espouses conservative political beliefs. If, by the grace of God, Trump's back in a year from now, I mean, he's going to have a heck of a time getting the military. He's going he's to rebuild it again. And on top of that, they introduced all of this Insanity, the, the whole trans thing. I mean, you got gay poetry hours on our battleships. You got openly, you got mentally ill people who really shouldn't be in the military. They should be under the care of a psychiatrist because they don't know what gender they are. 
men who think they're women, women who think they're men. Again, the military is there to protect our nation, not to be a social petri dish. That's another incredible. Right now, thank God we didn't end up in a nuclear war with Russia. We were. We're, we have no capability to fight anybody right now. That's why I've, I've been saying between now and next November, I, I, I will be shocked if G doesn't take Taiwan in the next 11 months. We're not going to be able to help them. We're no match to the Chinese. Do you know how the military in China must absolutely lose their mind laughing so hard when they look at these mentally ill men who think they're women walking around our military? I mean, we, 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 the greatest fighting force in the history of mankind has turned into an absolute joke. And God help us if we need the military because they're not, I mean, recruiting's down in most of the uh, branches by 20, 25%. People are getting out in record numbers. They don't want to be part of this nonsense. They didn't join to, to be, you know, involved in social experiments. And again, if you're a white male Christian or you're a Trump supporter, I mean, they're happy you're out because they're pushing you out anyway. All right, late tonight, we get a word that there's some kind of deal where we're going to get, I guess, 50 of the hostages back. These are the hostages that were taken. There was 220, I believe, uh, on October 7th by Hamas. Apparently there's a deal now where they're going to slow down the fighting and over the course of four days we're going to get 50 of those people back. I guess they're women and children. And in return, we're going to give them 150 Palestinians that have been captured. We're going to give them back to, 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 uh, to Hamas. So we'll see how this goes. You can't trust Hamas as far as you can throw them. They're liars. You know, they're evil, murdering, evil people. And if we do get some of these hostages back, it's going to be very interesting to hear their story. I'm sure it's not going to be pretty. Um, by the way, I've been warning you for two weeks now. Ever since Israel basically started to go into Gaza and start cleaning that mess up. I've been warning you for two weeks that there's going to be a huge push to start bringing in Gaza refugees, okay? We not only have that huge push coming from people, lawmakers in our country, it's now coming from the Israeli government encouraging us to take tens of thousands of these Gaza refugees. Now, let me remind you of something. And you can't forget this. 
King Abdullah of Jordan, when Israel first went into Gaza, and it was obvious there was going to be a lot of displaced Palestinians, he went on to a national address. And I'll never, I, I, I watched it. And in that national address, he said that he has one red line. Not one Palestinian refugee is going to come to Jordan. At the same time, Egypt stated the same thing. We are not taking one Palestinian. Now, these are their Arab brothers and sisters. And if they refuse to take them, what does that say? We've got enough illegals in this country that we don't know who they are or what they're about or why they're here or where, where they're even from. We don't need more terrorists in our country. That's another ticking time bomb. Oh, they're going out of their minds because Donald Trump's going to round them up and get rid of them. Oh, we'll get into that in a minute. Oh, the media's just lost their mind. He has literally driven these people insane after all these years. But there's a push now by the Israeli government for us to take tens of thousands of these Palestinian refugees. And here's the thing. Jordan's right there. Egypt's right there. Jordan's, you know, not that big. Egypt, they got some pretty good, you know, acreage that they could settle a bunch of these Gaza, or these uh, Palestinians from Gaza into camps. They, they got Saudi Arabia. They got a lot of it. And these are their Arab brothers and sisters, yet they don't want one thing to do with them. That's all I need to know. If Jordan and Egypt don't want them, we don't want them. You know, can I say here tonight tell you? I'll be shocked if they don't start bringing them here. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked beyond belief if we don't end up taking 50, 60,000 of these people. That's how weak we are. But that's the globalist mantra. Open border. That's how you destroy countries. You know, if, it, if it's up to the globals, they just want one homogenous country. In other words, every country is the same. Nobody's different, nobody's better, nobody's less. I mean, it's just one homogenous all over the world. That's what the globalists want. By the way, the globalists are getting their rear ends beat, just for the record. Okay? They are getting their rear ends beat. We'll get to the United States and, and, and Trump and all that in a minute. But the fact is, all over the world, people are rising up against these globalist policies. You know, Finland, Sweden, uh, Italy, Germany. Uh, you know, we just had the big election down in uh, Argentina, won by a nationalists the last week in Malay. So all over the world, the people are rising up against the World Economic Forum, 
United Nations, you know, globalist billionaire policies that are really designed to ruin countries. Because they want open borders. They want green energy. They want everybody to be digitized so they can control where you go and your finances. That's what they want. And people are rebelling, as they should. As they should. Speaking of globalist policy, speaking of tyranny, you ready for this one? And I don't know why this isn't getting more play in the media. I know the corporate media doesn't want to talk about it. I remember, I didn't look at the exact date, but it was about six, seven months ago. I sat on this program one night and told you, told you point blank that there were plans underway to get rid of your gas stoves. And it reminded me the first time 20-some years ago when I was trying to get people to understand that there was a movement in this country to legalize men marrying men, women marrying women. People laughed. Oh, Bill, you're just, you know, you're being paranoid. And that was the same thing I heard when I told you six, seven months ago that they want your gas stoves. Well, Joe Biden, again, I don't know why the media's not covered this one. Joe Biden invoked the War Powers Act. The War Powers Act. Who are we fighting? Who are we at war with? Oh, climate change. He has decreed that we are in war with climate change, and he's, in, and he's invoked the War Powers Act, which gives him special powers. Now, what is he going to do with these special powers? Well, his first goal is to end all gas-powered home appliances. That means your gas stoves. That means your gas heater. Now, think with me for a second. Just, just, just follow this with me for a second. Let's say they get rid of all the gas stoves, all the gas gas powered heaters, right? Well, how are you going to cook? How are you going to heat your home? Oh, that's right. You're going to have an electric stove and electric heaters. We don't have enough electricity as it is now. And these fools want to take away your gas powered home appliances, which means they'll become electric home appliances on grids that aren't maxed out to begin with. Oh, and that's on top of everybody having electric cars. Even though we don't have charging stations, and even if we do, there's not enough grid power to charge these cars. New Jersey! That goofy Governor Murphy He's saying by 2035, you won't be able to buy a gas-powered car in New Jersey. Nope. Only electric cars. Now, let me just give you a little insight here. You got California, you got that 
nut job Gavin Newsom in California. You got Murphy. You got these other Democrat governors. They're making all these grand announcements that by 2033, there's going to be no more gas. Listen, it's not practical. It can't happen. It is impossible. It's impossible. Number one, there's no infrastructure to support it. And number two, again, our electric grids are maxed out to begin with. They're antiquated and maxed out. How are you going to charge all those cars? How are you going to have all those gas stoves that are going to, or the electric stoves that are going to replace the gas stove? It, they can't. They can't. Now, I told you at some point, if the, if the globalists ever get power, oh, we can't put that many uh, electric cars out? Well, I guess you won't have a car then. I, that's another one. Oh, I got a lot of emails on that one. That was, what, a couple years ago, I think, I first started warning about that. That if they ever got power, they ever had their way, you won't have a car. Let the, the, the one the one percent elites will have private cars in this country. Everybody else, there will be public buses, public trains. Oh, and by that time you'll have a digital ID so they can so they can not only track you, but if they don't like your politics or they don't like the fact you go to church, you won't even be able to ride the bus. <laughs> I, I I don't you know when I when I go on these rants I I, I can see people at home just shaking their head because it's hard to fathom. I'm trying to help you understand what these people believe and what they want to see happen. That's why you've got this nationalist uprising around the country. People are starting to wake up to this nonsense. Well, in the Netherlands they shut down a third of the farms because uh, of climate change. So what, the people go hungry? People are re rebelling against this nonsense. Yep, Biden invoked the War Powers Act. And of course, the natural criminal. Whoa, oh my, that's terrible. Who are we at war with? Russia? China? Iran? Who are we at war with? We're at war with the climate change. As we live through the George Floyd incident in the spring of 2020, and then, of course, the violent aftermath, 592 riots around the country, $2 billion in property loss, hundreds of millions of dollars of merchandise looted, uh, 1,200 law enforcement officers assaulted, dozens of deaths, I told you all along that this whole thing was totally manufactured. There's a new documentary out. It's called The Fall of Minneapolis. And this was produced by a Minneapolis native. She was actually a news anchor on one of the major Minneapolis uh, network affiliates. And she ended up getting terminated for speaking out. This documentary clearly lays out the fact that George Floyd 
was a career criminal. He was a lifetime junkie. Uh, unbeknownst to most people, in 2019, he had a almost identical interaction with the cops. Almost identical to the 2020 incident. And on that, and in that 2020 incident, the medical examiner's initial report basically said he OD'd. He had three to four times the amount of fentanyl in his body that, that would kill him. And he did not die from asphyxiation like everybody wants you to believe. You know, the nine minutes with the knee on the neck. By the way, that was a actual restraining move that was taught to all the Minneapolis police officers as well as police officers in many departments around the country. It does not cut off your wind. And again, going back to the 2019 stuff, it was almost identical if you watch it. I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Mama, mama. Same stuff. Same stuff. Derek Chauvin restraining him with his knee at the base of his neck, that did not kill George Floyd. The medical examiner report even stated he did not die by asphyxiation. He died from a fentanyl overdose. Oh, but then guess what happens? He got a visit from, guess who? The FBI. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the medical report got changed. I mean, Chauvin wasn't allowed to present a lot of this evidence at trial. I mean, he technically should have a new trial. Now, he's, he appealed to the Supreme Court. They, they refused to hear his appeal. So I don't know what legal maneuvers he's, he's got left. But if you watch this documentary, it's clear. And by the way, there's a video out today that I saw. I didn't take any notes on it, but it was uh, somewhere in California. It was a chips officer. Stopped the, stopped the black guy. The black guy started fighting the chips officer, tried, tried to beat him up. Had him in a headlock, was punching, punching. The chips officer pulled his gun and shot him, killed him. We can go all the way back to Mikey Brown, Ferguson. Remember that? The hands up, don't shoot that never was. Why didn't Michael Brown die that day? That's because he punched a police officer, tried to take his gun, was walking away and then turned around and charged back. You want to die? If you want to die tomorrow, go find a police officer, walk up and punch him in the mouth, and then try to grab his gun. Okay? It's probably about a 99% chance you die. But we had Mikey Brown, we had the uh, guy 
the, the, the big guy, Eric Garner, selling the Lucy cigarettes. You had the guy in Baltimore. You had a whole bunch of these guys. And the one thread that runs through all of them, had they just obeyed the police, had they not resisted arrest, at least on that day, they would have still been alive. And that goes for George Floyd too. That goes for George Floyd too. So, it's a powerful documentary, Fall of Minneapolis. Well worth a look, it really is. Um, four teens in New Orleans, of course you won't hear about this on the media, they carjacked an old woman back in March. They dismembered her body by dragging her. She got caught on the side of the car and they literally dragged her for a half mile and literally her body was breaking up. There was four of them. Three of them were under 18 and they cut a plea deal. No murder charge. Some kind of an aggravated assault or some nonsense charge like that. Now, they're getting 20 years. They'll be out in 15. But they should never see the light of day. There was one other person who was 18. He is being charged with second degree murder or something like that, which could get him a life sentence. But as long as they quit, as long as they don't punish these people, this stuff is never going to stop. By the way, there's a secret White House surveillance program that we've just learned about. And it basically allows cops to spy on trillions of phone records of average citizens without any warrant. In other words, normally, if you want to get the phone records of somebody, you go to the court, you have to issue a warrant, state your probable cause, and the judge signs off it. Then you go to AT&T or T-Mobile or Verizon, and you get the phone records. Well, apparently there's a private company that scoops up pretty much every phone call everybody makes. It's just an incredible amount of data. But then they sell that data to police departments. So basically police departments can spy on people's phone calls. Now, they can't listen to your phone call, but they have a record of who you called, who called you. They have all those, you know, they have those records. That, that's a pretty good trail of leads right there if they're looking into something. But the point is, they're not going to court to get warrants. They're just buying this bulk data and using it. I mean... It, 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 I laugh at how they talk about Trump, you know, being the end of democracy and all that. These people step on the constitutional rights of people every single day and don't bat an eye. Don't bat an eye. Speaking of Trump, the globalists, my friend, are freaking out. They're getting desperate. A by any means necessary desperation. Okay? Because they know if Trump gets reelected, 
He's got, uh, he understands DC enough now. He has enough of the right people that are on his team that this is going to be the end of their tyranny on this country. And they're freaking out at the prospect of losing their power. The people rejected this stuff. That's why Trump's poll numbers are so large. And listen, they don't trust DeSantis or, or neocon Nikki or any of these other people. They don't have a clue what's going on. They've never been in that hot seat. Trump has for four years. And he's still produced on top of all the things they did to try to destroy him. And he's still standing despite all that they've done since he got out. You know, I've told you many times, if Trump left, went to Mar-a-Lago, said, listen, had a good four years, it was fun, I'm just going to go back to my golf courses and my buildings and, you know, you guys have a good time, you run the country. If he'd done that, he wouldn't be indicted right now. He wouldn't be looking at 800 years in prison. He wouldn't be looking to have his companies stripped from him. And just for the record, you know, when we were talking about Carter uh, yesterday with Roslyn passing and uh, you know, Jimmy, he's in hospice, so he's not far behind her. They don't say that mean. I mean, he's 99 years old. My goodness. Anyway, Carter was just a typical liberal Democrat, okay? Kind of like RFK. But see, the liberal Democrats, they got hijacked years ago. It was it was coming, but it really started in earnest in 2008 with the election of guess who? Oh yeah, Barry Sotero, aka Barack Hussein Obama. Okay, and they basically took the Democratic Party to a really dark place. And that was the that that was the globalist movement that hijacked what we used to know as the Democratic Party. Okay, they're on TV every day now. You got these two. Morning adulterers, you know, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski, okay? You got the two morning adulterers. Every, if they call, if, if I had a dime for every time they called Trump a fascist or Trump Hitler, you know, life prayer would have its own country. And they're out there saying he wants to execute people. Listen. The freak out is, is at a level where I want you to remember the analogy I've been making for several years now. What's coming up next November 5th is going to be no different than two gladiators on the sands of the Colosseum. In a normal political race, at the end, one wins, one loses, but they both walk out, out the door, right? That's not what's happening November 5th. This is literally going to be like the gladiators, where when it was over, one gladiator left the Coliseum, the other one was taken to a grave. That's what's coming next November 5th. Don't doubt me for a second. And the the, the globalists right now that are in power, they are out of their, they've lost their minds. Trump has literally turned them into just, he, 
they're just deranged lunatics. I mean, I, the things that they say is just unbelievable. Uh, oh, by the way, Mayorkas has a new edict out for all this Border Patrol people. He said, you better not misgender any of these guests that were welcoming into our country. In other words, when you're dealing with these criminals, because if they come in this country without proper paperwork, they are criminals, you need to respect them and call them by the right gender, or you've got problems. This is what our government's worried about. All right, let me hit you with this one last thing before we get out of here tonight. After 9-11, one of the programs that was really beefed up was the air marshal program. And pretty much on, especially all transatlantic flights and flights on major, you know, with major city hubs like Chicago, Atlanta, you know, Dallas, Boston, New York, right? Those kind of flights. They had armed air marshals on board, right? There was an interview I watched this morning with one of the spokespeople for the air marshals service. And I swear, as I listened to it, I had to, I, I had to re rewind it and watch it over and over. She said that all the air marshals are not flying right now. All the air marshals are not flying. In other words, all these planes, no air marshals. Why is that? They've been reassigned to follow people who were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Now, it doesn't matter if they went to the Capitol or not. Just the fact that they were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th didn't commit any crimes, aren't being charged with any crimes. But if they were in D.C. on January 6th, our air marshals have been reassigned not to be on the planes to protect the flying public. And boy, if they ever needed air marshals, they need them now with all these lunatics on these planes, right? People trying to open doors in the middle of flight and fighting and everything. My goodness, if there was ever a time we needed air marshals, it's now. Nope, 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 nope. Nope. They've been reassigned to follow people who just happened to be in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021. Again, these are not people who've been charged. These are people that didn't commit any crimes. But they're being surveilled. And some of them, she said, they've been following for three years. Three years. This government is out of control, folks. And, and again, they want to talk about Donald Trump, how he broke the norms and he's this destructive force and democracy is at stake. Oh, if I hear that one more time, democracy is on the ballot this November. All right, folks. Um, don't forget, we'll be uh, be here, of course. We have a full schedule this week. We're here tomorrow night, of course, uh, praying for your travel.
pray everything goes smooth, no problems, no incidents, don't get any fights. Um, then we'll be here Thursday night, Thanksgiving night. So if you're up and you haven't passed out from all the good food and all the football, uh, join me at 11, our regular time for a special five-year anniversary program of the five-year anniversary of moving from legacy TV to streaming. And then, of course, we'll wrap things up on Friday. Before we get out of here tonight, if you never made a decision for Jesus, I want to give you a chance to do that right now because when this brief journey is over, all that matters is do you have a relationship with the Lord? And that's a choice only you can make. But if you'd like to make that decision tonight, pray with me. Will you, dear Lord, I come to you tonight asking your forgiveness. Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for dying on that cross so my sins could be forgiven this night. I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. And from this moment forward, my life belongs to you. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My friend, if you prayed and you met it, the Bible says you're saved, not because you said a few words, because of your faith in God's grace. Have a book I'll send you. Won't cost you anything. Drop me an email, bkellerlivepair.com. I'll get it out to you. If you need prayer for anything, don't hesitate to email me, bkellerlivepair.com. All right, love and care about you so much. Have a great night tonight. Have a great Wednesday, pre-Thanksgiving, day before Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, Lord willing, we'll see you back here tomorrow night at 11 o'clock. God bless. What problems are you dealing with in your life right now? Do you feel?